Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The coronavirus infects the market. Stocks falling the most since August 2011. On virus angst, we have the latest. We're going to check in with Bloomberg's top macro economic strategist, Cameron Christ, who will join us at the top of the show on the phone. Plus, the latest on the 2020 race, a comeback brewing for former Vice President Joe Biden, potentially on the on the cusp of a victory in South Carolina. We'll get the latest on the 2020 field as well, and the latest from Vice President Mike Pence, who addressed conservatives today. Now he is the point person on the coronavirus. Lots to get through. It's why I'm so glad Frank Masano will join us. He is a partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group, the former press secretary to several Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill. And Dave Brown returns, Democratic strategist and former advisor to Democratic Senator Patty Murray. I'm back in Washington, D.C. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. We begin tonight now with our lead story. That, of course, is the coronavirus. And first, we're going to check in with Cameron Christ, who is Bloomberg macro strategist, who joins us on the telephone. Cameron, the stock market fell the most since August 2011. And it's all because of the volatility injected as a result of the coronavirus. Just reading now from the Bloomberg Terminal and our colleagues on the markets team, they write, quote, global stocks plunged to four-month lows, government debt yields sunk to unprecedented levels, and crude oil extended declines as anxiety over the spread of the coronavirus. Stephen, the S&P 500 tumbled 4.4% to close at the lowest levels of the day. It whipsawed investors earlier, turning lower late after California's governor said that the state was monitoring 8,400 people for signs of the virus after they traveled to Asia. Wow, that's of course from Gavin Newsom. So Cameron, first of all, thanks for being here. I want to play a little bit of that press conference that President Trump uh, gave yesterday at the White House, only the second time in his first term that he's addressed the nation and reporters from inside of the briefing room. Take a listen to what President Trump said. Here's the President of the United States. The economy is very strong. The consumer is the strongest it's ever been. Our consumers are incredible. They're incredible. That's why we're doing well and other countries have not. Even before the virus, we're doing great. Other countries have not been doing great. Our consumer is very, very strong, very powerful economically. Big picture, Cameron, our recession fears back as a result of the volatility in the markets due to the coronavirus. Um, I would say they're back not because of the volatility, but they're back for the same reasons that we're observing the volatility, which is that 
the virus is injecting a, a colossal amount of uncertainty uh, into into the economy, um, and it's we know it's going to have an impact, and it, it certainly looks as if the impact could be um, significant. But the the sort of the confidence band as to what it ultimately will mean is very very wide because we just don't know how bad this thing is is going to is going to get. And I mean, the irony is that is that you could argue that the measures that you would need to take to minimize the human cost of the virus will exacerbate potentially the economic cost. Look at what China's been doing in terms of locking down vast swathes of the country for for weeks uh, on end. What um, a depressing thought. So, I mean, I know that's opinion, but what a depressing thought. To protect people, it's going to cost a lot of money, and the stock market could go into uh, the economy. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. that, this, is, this is the sort of shock um, that we, that no one currently uh, trading in financial markets has um, has really been uh, been a witness to. I mean, we had the closest I guess you could say would be would be nine eleven, which again was a, a terrible uh, exogenous shock that cost thousands uh, thousands of lives. But the pen- t- potential scale of this thing is is much much larger. Okay. Um, Right. Let me ask a follow-up question. Dig deeper with me, and this is why Cameron Kreis is the best at what he does. He's a macro strategist at Bloomberg LP. Cameron, dig deeper here. Which specific sectors in the markets are the most exposed to risk as a result of the coronavirus? Well, it, I mean, it's it's that's actually a tough question um, to answer because anyone who's dependent. Say who has a supply chain that's dependent upon inputs from China. Well, you don't know if you're going to get them. Anyone who is selling stuff that to China or is selling stuff to somebody who needs things from China, you don't know if you're going to get it. Microsoft yesterday. Um, you don't think of Microsoft now as as a, I mean maybe you think of them as a Windows company, but the reason that Microsoft has done so well is because of the cloud. But they gave a warning based on their consumer business because guess what? Lenovo isn't isn't building computers like they normally do, and so Microsoft isn't selling Windows packages to to to, to Lenovo like they normally do. Wow. I think the real nexus of risk though is in the credit market because U.S. companies are as indebted, more indebted than they've ever been um, in in history in terms of percentage of of, of GDP. Uh, spreads uh, and yields are exceptionally low. Um, so there's a real risk, I think, of a dislocation in the in the credit market. Uh, should uh, anything even in the same zip code of the worst case for the economy eventually? Okay, so best case scenario is that the coronavirus. If you read the medical reports, the best case scenario is that it would essentially the the coronavirus would uh, mitigate its risk once the spring comes and it goes away uh the worst case scenario i don't need to talk about because everyone can imagine everyone's watched enough of these pandemic films to know what the worst case scenario would be in terms of rhetoric coming from washington in terms of rhetoric coming from beijing how can xi jinping and president trump alleviate some of the market concerns or can well i'm not i'm not sure if they can wow uh, wow uh well uh, i mean i mean let's face it uh 
I think uh, Xi Jinping has his concern is kind of keeping the balls in the air, right? And it looks certainly looks as if his um, focus has gone uh, a bit more towards restarting the economy. So I guess that's a good thing. But I'm not to be honest with you. I'm not sure if anybody in the market believes. The numbers that are coming out of China. No one does. No one in Washington. Right. No one in Washington. No one on Capitol Hill. How could you? Yeah. So right. So uh, so what can he? You know what? What can he do? He can't. I mean, he's going to pull back the curtain like the Wizard of Oz. I don't think so. Um, And in terms of the president, listen. I mean, and we've got like less than a minute left. Whatever you think of him, you know that his primary goal is to get elected, right? To get reelected. So I think. Everything that he says should be viewed through that prism. All right. Yeah. Um, We're going to have to leave it there. Cameron Christ, I'm so sorry. You've been so generous with your time. We're up against a hard break. Uh, Listen, I've greatly valued this because you you dig deep into the numbers. And listen, you're a Duke. Duke guy, and I, I'm sorry, but Duke's out of the top ten in basketball for the after that loss to to Wake Forest. I don't like Coach K. I gotta own it. I want everyone to know my bias. I'm not a Duke basketball guy, but I am a Cameron Christ fan. Coming up, we're gonna talk the politics of the coronavirus with our All Star panel. My name is Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The president uh, wanted to make it clear to the American people that we're going to bring a whole of government approach to this. Uh, the president wanted to make it clear that what a priority this is for him and for our administration. That was Vice President Mike Pence speaking earlier today about the coronavirus. He is now the point person on the coronavirus, which has whipsawed its way through markets, injecting volatility. I got to be honest. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. I got to be honest. You know, I'm here in Washington, back from Charleston, and it really is uncomfortable to talk about a virus of this magnitude, of this proportion, through the lens of, of Wall Street traders. But such as life. Joining us with other political reality check, Frank Misano, partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group, and Dave Brown, a Democratic strategist and former advisor to Patty Murray. Frank, of course, is a Republican insider uh, and has advised uh, advised several Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Frank, isn't it depressing talking markets when people are dying of this disease in China and in Iran, and now we've got some cases popping up in the U.S.? Well, I think you have to put everything into perspective. Right? Such is so my you life. You have to look at this larger picture of what's going on, and you have to be empathetic to the needs and, and, and the challenges that we face. The real, you know, but here in Washington, we see everything through the political bubble. Which is right? equally as depressing. Yeah, and, and I think that <laughs> that probably is uh, even less impactful than the Wall Street bubble that you're seeing it in, because the Wall Street bubble does have real impacts on, you know, your 401k, right. my college, my kids' college fund, and things like that. And so, uh, so you know, we do feel that, even though we don't feel that in the immediate so, uh, time. So when I was prepping for this show today, I, I was thinking of the political segment, how do we divide this political chat in for the coronavirus into two things? And so we'll start with the first one, which is, the, the nuance of $2.5 billion in aid, Dave Brown, coming out of Congress, and the, the, the bevy of hearings that have been on Capitol Hill as it relates to this. Now, Pence is the point person. So there is not a rhetorical agreement, which is the second point we'll talk about, but there is agreement around some of the money 
that will be allocated from the federal level and as it trickles down to help states better prepare. Yeah, I think that's right, Kevin. You saw today, you know, Speaker Pelosi, uh, Leader Leader McConnell, uh, Leader Minority Leader Schumer, all talking about the the bipartisan, the emerging bipartisan bipartisan consensus on an aid package. I think the devil will be in the details, as you well know, based on your coverage of Capitol, in terms of what what restrictions are imposed on that money. You saw probably the press release that Schumer and Pelosi put out earlier today when they talked, to, or last night when they talked about the conditions um, for for how the money would be spent. So I think I think there is still. Um, you know, some obvious political um, jeopardy and, and obviously the stakes here in terms of how that, that money will be both uh, appropriated, but also messaged and what that means for the administration. I think it'll be interesting to see how Pence is being received now as sort of the, the, the lead for, for the response. I think in some ways that, that politicizes the, the administration's response. And I'm, I'm a bit surprised that the president named him to, to head that. Um, but we'll see how that shakes out. Well, too. I want to talk about that coming up. But sticking with the unity for just one more second, $2.5 billion, uh, Frank Masano, and your time up on Capitol Hill, uh, that likely will get funded. That will yeah. likely go through. Uh, yeah, that's so, a floor, too, yeah. according to most people. Most people think that there's a there's a window between 8 and $2.5 in, in which they will uh, we'll we'll find a middle ground, and that's you know as a member, as a as a, a guy who was a staffer with appropriations members right. over the years, you always and this is not new. I mean, this is what they do, and in 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 a crisis situation like this, this is when they step up to the plate and work together more than ever before. So the the politics that you're hearing around the outside, oh, we'll get it, to them. It it, <laughs> it 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 really is just the window dressing here. I just the reality want- is they are going to get to this. They are going to get the money. There won't be yeah, as many right. restrictions as you think there will be, and they'll move forward and try and I'm do something reading because from, everybody wants a part of it. I'm reading from Physicians Weekly, uh, which now we're reading Physicians Weekly because it's coronavirus <laughs> wow. season. Um, no, but I mean, I'm not knocking it. I mean, it's a really good source of information. Uh, $2.5 billion plan to fight the coronavirus sent by the White House uh, earlier this week, which we've reported on. But let's dive into what this money is going to be used for. $1.25 billion is new funding. $535 million is going to be moved over from Ebola preparedness because they they don't view Ebola as... They're, they're getting money from Ebola because the administration feels that they've corrected the issue of Ebola. So they're taking money from Ebola. Uh, and in addition to that, it's going to be used for vaccines, treatment, uh, protective equipment, I guess the masks. We've heard all about these masks and how there's there's no more masks. Uh, but that's what the money's going to be used for. Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat, California, you know, he gave a press conference today, Dave Brown. California now really in this just because of the, the cases. But, you know, keeping the politics out of it from your time up on Capitol Hill and appropriations. I don't, I don't see this as a fight, but how does this just explain to our, our listenerships how this money gets divvied up to folks around the country in emergencies like this? Yeah. So, I mean, as, as Frank alluded, staff staff for both the House and the Senate, the probes committees, as well as leadership, they'll be heavily involved here. I mean, they're probably working around the clock to figure out um, what package makes the most sense. And then obviously they're working with members from all 50 states and, and getting input from the different agencies in terms of the types of response that will be appropriate. I mean, part of what we're what we're building, Kevin, and also having to, to really stand up in real time fashion is a public health infrastructure that is designed to address this. And 
so California is, is a great example. Obviously, you know, the most populous state in the nation um, and this what the fifth largest economy in the world. And, and so they are scrambling with their resources. But I think part of the challenge, and, and we've seen this play out time and time again with crises in this country, it's the coordination between federal and state uh, and local agencies in the different jurisdictions, sometimes overlapping, sometimes very confusing, really being able to cut through all of that red tape and ensure that you are approaching this in a unified, coordinated fashion that allows for public health uh, providers and officials to do what they do best, which is to respond and contain this type of crisis. You know, it really is remarkable. Go ahead, Frank. Jump in. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, look, I think we, we last night at the president's presser, you saw um, after the president spoke, you saw uh, uh, what what I would call a common sense regular response to a major issue like this. You saw the vice president come on, make very calm and staid remarks. You had um, the, the you had a, uh, Secretary Azar come on and talk about what we can do, what we're going to do, how we can get um, uh, vaccines ready. And you had Dr. Fauci come on and talk about that. You know, those are the things that you're going to continue to hear them talk about. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the politics of this because it appears to be a mess. And so, I mean, and not, Democrats didn't have that assessment, Frank, of last night's press yeah. conference. Dave Brown's like dying to get in there. Um, <laughs> coming up, download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. My name is Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Secretary Azar said yesterday, we, want, we would want to ensure that we can work to make it affordable, but we can't control the price because uh, we need the private sector to invest. Really? House Speaker, that was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi speaking earlier uh, about the budget request. And now we're going to dive into the politics. She was being critical of how the administration is talking about uh, the the coronavirus. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Frank Masano's here. Dave Brown is here. Dave, all right. So Frank gave us a little bit earlier of the Republican uh, response and how he feels they're doing a good job. I take it that you and your Democratic friends disagree. I'm not sure we disagree. I think we're, we're focused on getting it right. So, you know, the speaker talked about vaccines. Oh, God. Spin. Go ahead. Oh, wow. Kevin. Can't you just say? Kevin. I know. See, Kevin. Now, Christine Barat is bracing oh, for this gosh. clash. Um, Go no, ahead, look, Dave this, I mean, the speaker and Schumer, when they put out that press release last night, one of the things on there, the vaccines have to be affordable and available to everybody who need it. They also are talking, they're, they're looking at small businesses. They're worried about the impact on small businesses. And so making interest-free loans available for them if they're affected because folks aren't able to come to work. There's a bigger 
question, though, which is, does the administration, and, and we saw the president finally address this yesterday during the press conference, but is the administration taking this seriously? The CDC is out, has been out there raising a red flag, but the president's been saying, well, maybe, maybe this will be a big deal, maybe it won't. The markets clearly think it's a big deal. I mean, we've seen how the markets have been correcting today. Um, and, you know, our, my firm, our, our geopolitical folks think that, that overall in 2020, the coronavirus virus may account for one half of 1% of global GDP. Like that is massive. So there's an economic question coupled with a political question. And actually, I think for the president, they're one and the same because we've seen how he uses the markets as a barometer for his presidency. So as he's looking at this, as the White House is looking at how they're responding to this, the question of economic performance in the country, I think, will be a proxy for how well the White House is doing combating this. And then, of course, too, you know, Kevin, we obviously have a his, we have a sort of a history of of public health crises in this country that have been, uh, you know, have, have brought down presidencies when you think about um, New Orleans, when you think about even Puerto Rico with this president. So I think there are a lot of big questions that are still open. Yeah, I just, uh, again, I, I think we're looking at to, at this very narrowly, right? And the political bubble are, is around this no matter what, and it's on both sides, right? The president is always going to be a battler. He's always going to be taking on Nancy Pelosi. In that presser last night, you notice most of the speakers didn't most of the speakers talked about interesting things that were preventative and when the vaccines would be available and how we would do things. The president, yet in his questions and before, he wanted to lance with Democrats, right? And, 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 and they came on the stage this morning and did the same thing here. If you listen to the news, if you watch CNN or if you watch Fox News or listen to Rush Limbaugh, people are already choosing sides on this issue. So I don't right. see how it's that much different politically than we've had all along. People are choosing sides. You know, so, when you talk about one other thing, when you talk about the economic impacts of this, you know, last year the trade uh, crisis uh, with China and other places were going to be the thing that destroyed the economy, right? And now we're hearing that this is going to be the thing that destroyed the economy. Now, I don't want to downplay it or minimize it, right? Because I think it's important. No, I hear you. And it's something that could have a significant impact. I mean, but we, we've been here before, just last year, and we forget that. On, on this program, literally, we've been talking about the market effects every single day of the, of the coronavirus. And so now that it's bubbled up into a national, now it has national mainstream attention, as it should, uh, given the very real, very serious health impacts uh, just beyond the financial press world. Um, in terms of the, so I hear you, and I, I was telling Jonathan Farrow this earlier today on Bloomberg TV uh, about how in Washington, the the thinkers, like both of you, are divorcing the idea of the budget fight and what the money that's coming, because there isn't really a budget fight that's happening. It's $2.5 billion that's going to be made its way all throughout the country. Or more. Yeah, or more. Or yeah, more. Sure it's a blank check. Yeah, it's a blank check. Probably yeah. more. Yeah. And that's important. Ver and the political left versus right, right fight. So you have to be able to divorce them, and we have. Okay, so we talked about how President Trump versus Democrats on this. Let's just play how our um, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy speaking earlier today, uh, praising the president. I just want to get in some Republican as well. Here's Kevin McCarthy. I'm hopeful that we can get this done next week. This isn't something to wait around. It's not something where Chuck Schumer should play politics with. And I will give... Um, Credit to the appropriators who've been sitting in the room making it happen. 
So there, there's Kevin McCarthy again, just signaling if you can divorce the back and forth, left and right criticism of a Republican attacking a Democrat, saying next week, next week is when the money comes for the for the first round of funds come. Okay, so now let's take the other political angle to this, which is how is this playing out, Dave Brown, on the 2020 campaign trail amongst all the different candidates? Obviously, South Carolina coming up this weekend. Yeah. What are the 2020 you're well, saying? Let me just interject this, Dave, before you go. Yeah, of course. Just on the way over here, before on the way over here, yeah. I was watching CNN to get a little feel for what they're talking about. Oh, you turned about. off Bloomberg Television, I guess. And, 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 Burn! And, <laughs> Burn! And um, the th- first thing I saw was a Bloomberg ad, a Michael Bloomberg ad, that was using the coronavirus and Trump's incompetence on the coronavirus to talk about what he could do to fix it. So, so that's, that's how the former already, New York City mayor... That's already out there. That, that's, yeah, that's how the former New York City mayor is. I, when I talked to my Biden world sources, they felt that that was a really strong moment for the former vice president in the Charleston debate uh, in terms of how he was able to talk about what the what the Obama administration did. Dave, what else are you hearing? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think that's the right question, right? Like, this is very much going to become a 2020 issue. It already is. And so it, it's a proxy for a few things. It's, a, it's, it's both a platform to talk about this president's ability to respond to a crisis and what that means for, for key constituencies across the country. We know as a general matter that poor people in this country are often hit harder than people with means when it comes to, to things like this. And so Democrats, certainly on the campaign trail, will be spine, shining a light on that. And I suspect you'll also see them pivoting to broaden the discussion. So encompassing what this means from the context of, of affordable uh, drugs and pharmaceuticals, the fact that vaccines were not guaranteeing them to be affordable now for this, what does that mean more broadly? So they're going to use that as a pivot. I also think that you know the budget is going to be relevant here. Kev, you, you know, well know because you've covered the president's budget request this year. He asked for a 16% cut to the CDC for fiscal year 2021. I hear you. I, I, so that gets in the weeds, but if you take it no, up a I level, hear you. But like, talk about it to undecided voters in South Carolina or, or well, on Super Tuesday. Let's wait. Well, let's and, wait. Who are though. they picking? And but Kevin, let's wait other, for a second. Here's the other thing with that, though. I mean, every year the president cuts the budget, no matter what the Gentlemen, issue is. Gentlemen, I got I to morph us off of this because we're doing the food fight. And I yeah. hear it. And we talked about the food fight. I want to move on. I want to know how this is impacting undecided voters as yeah. they try it's to too decide. Soon. It's between, too soon, Kevin. It's too soon to answer okay. that question. I think That's it's fair. too soon. I think the country's finally paying attention to this. You've seen the market this week. I think you finally have the attention of the American people. It's cutting through the news cycle. It's cutting through the noise. So I think you should continue to ask that question, Kev. Ask it next week, the week after that. Yeah, well, that's Frank. The, Do you, the, does it help what, Joe Biden? Here's the other interesting piece of that. I don't, I don't know if it helps Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden has got a lot of things that uh, are going to help him, and there are a lot of things that are going to be a drawback for him. Um, I think Sanders people are strong, and Sanders people are uh, diehards, and they're going to go out and vote, and he's been working hard, and he's got that infrastructure in place. But, Frank, if you can link it to experience, what do you think? Do you think well, it helps Biden again, you know, I, again, I think it helps Biden in the experience world, but I think we're beyond that right now um, with where we are. Now, look, we're at Super Tuesday, right? Yeah. And there's two questions there. One, which we're talking about now, does this who who does this benefit? Yeah. Who does this impact? But then there's another question on Super Tuesday: that's, does this does this affect turnout? Right? Does this affect the way people? That's vote? The coronavirus. Yeah. Does this scare huh. people into not? Although, wanting to I mean, go look at hey, vote? look that's at Super Tuesday. California's already been voting for over a yeah, week, well, right? But, so, and, and I mean, I'm not sure. That. It really we're seeing. That. I'm not yeah. sure that it matters, but it's still worth a question. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to talk all about 2020, and we're going to dive more into it. I, I I agree. I mean, what panel saying? You know, I learn, I listen, I learn, I listen, <laughs> I get feedback, I take it all into account. All right. Coronavirus right now, it's up in the air. Who's it's going to help? Who's it's going to hurt? I don't think we know. And just as a disclaimer. 
disclaimer, Michael Bloomberg, who is seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg Radio. Coming up, we dive more headfirst into 2020. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. My name is Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent of Eating Charleston Food, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I feel really good about South Carolina. I feel really good about a number of the southern states from Florida to Georgia to North Carolina and a whole range of other places. Um, and uh, But again, we'll see. I'm, I'm not a pundit. I'm just, I'm just running. <laughs> He's not Pundit Joe. Don't call him Pundit Joe. That was former Vice President Joe Biden on the cusp this weekend of winning in South Carolina, fueled by support amongst the African-American community. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Frank Masano is here, Republican insider. Dave Brown returns, Democratic strategist and former advisor to Senator Patty Murray. All right, Dave. So Joe up, everybody else down. No? What do you see? Assess it. Keep it simple. Keep uh, it simple, folks. Thank God Joe Biden is up in South Carolina. <laughs> I need him to come out of this with a double-digit win. It sounds like you're talking about a March ma- ma- a March I just, Madness I bracket. Just, I just need him to blunt the Sanders <laughs> momentum heading into Super Bowl. Well, Tuesday. I mean, okay, so the expectation is that he gets momentum coming out of, uh, coming out of South Carolina. Then you have the Joe Biden resurrection stories on Sunday. And then you have Super Tuesday, Frank. And so that's bad news for virtually every other moderate in the race. Yeah. No, no, it definitely is. And, and in fact, unfortunately for Pete Buttigieg is that he hasn't been able to really kind of gain from those early uh, success stories that he had in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, you know, I think really the the Sanders' consistency has been interesting to me, right? He's been consistently at that 30% range. Agreed. And what I want to see is in South Carolina if he can maintain that because he goes into Super Tuesday with all those states in a in a good position um, of being able to, you know, uh, California play, play in all those areas. And if he comes out of Super Tuesday with lots and lots of delegates – it creates what I would, you know, love to get Dave's opinion on. It creates, it, or or yours, Kev. It creates a, it creates a, a lead that would be hard for them to 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 claw back. And the question becomes, given the history of 2016 and what happened with Bernie Sanders in 2016, well, does that create uh, another problem for them in 2020 with a brokered convention? So just to just to get some guide, just to give our listeners some guidance, and we've repeated this number more times than I care to acknowledge 1991 1991 1991 that's the number of delegates that you need in order to officially clinch the nomination dave now respond frank yeah no totally i think frank set this up well and look on super tuesday 34 percent of all the delegates will be awarded right but pete Buttigieg, if he were here if his campaign were here they would say yes that's true but the remaining march states combined 
delivered 28% of the pledged delegates. Wow. So what you're seeing with Pete, and they put out a memo that lays out the math on this, they're playing not a state-by-state strategy heading into Super Tuesday, but it's a district-by-district strategy. And without getting too in the weeds, what they want to do is they want to hold Sanders' margin so that there is still a mathematical path for Pete coming out into the later March states where their polling shows he's playing much better. And this is where the reporter in me calls... uh, Word I can't say on air, which is that means he's losing. Because, of course, but Kevin, yeah. here's here's the thing that I'm curious about. Not just and losing. If you're not playing state by state, and you're playing district by district. Well, you're getting whacked. But if you don't Kev, win, Kev, no Kev, wait, I'm, three... stop, stop. If you don't win California, if you don't win in Texas, if you don't win a majority of the delegates, the momentum that Sanders has, Frank Masano, is going to be very difficult to stop, and something that even the Democratic establishment does not. Want what, to happen, and, and they did that before. And and what what kind of tension? And my point is, what kind of tension does that create inside the Democratic Convention Hall in Milwaukee? Well, beyond that, and then we got to do we got to move on to the quick take with the radar. Is this, which is, if you're playing this out and you're trying to figure out where precisely all of this is heading Wednesday morning, there will be incredible pressure for candidates to drop out of the race, especially people like. I don't even want to name names. It's not my job. But based upon my reporting, there will be pressure on candidates other than Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden to drop out of the race. That will likely happen. There will also be a string of high-profile endorsements in the second half of next week. And then after that, there's going to be a fight of monumental billions of dollars worth proportions between a moderate or two heading into Arizona. And when that field winnows on the debate stage in Arizona is, you know, likely when this is going to be even more specific. So that's the 2020 forecast, which is buckle up for all of us. And now it's time, Dave Brown, for your quick take of what's on your radar. I'm curious to see what happens with Congress heading (laughs) into the remainder of this year. They're moving the markup up for the National Defense Authorization Act into end of April. And I think that's interesting because it's still like proceeding at pace, like regular order, even though we're in a presidential year. So I want to see, Kevin, do we actually get anything passed? Or is this just going to be going through the motions? Or will Congress actually continue to do its work heading into November That's a good one. Do you, what do you think? I think for something like the NDAA, which is a must-pass bill, yeah. You also have FISA. Uh, reauthorization, which yeah. is going to force Congress to do something because the stakes are too high there and there March are too many 15, issues. March right. 15th. Yeah. So, so I think like what should have been a sleepy Washington, given coronavirus plus FISA <laughs> plus like some of these other must-pass bills, we're <laughs> actually going to see folks uh, maybe doing their day jobs. That's a really good point because we all thought nothing was going to happen. Dave Brown, I always learned something. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, and we no turn- wait, we thought this was going to be the most boring Congress ever in an election year, and now it's it's wake up. Because everywhere you turn, there's something well, happening. Well, Dave just teed me up, too, on that Go ahead, one. Because, What's your quick take? What's on your radar? Because right now, that just today, Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski introduced their package of, center, of, of energy legislation into the Senate. It's going to get Rule 14 right to the floor and most likely will be passed and, you know, next week probably. So you're starting to see a um, bunch of energy legislation that focuses on innovation, that talks about – um, uh, you know, technologies and advancing technologies like carbon capture and geothermal and uh, those things, y- y- all those things that people tend to agree on. You're seeing that start to move forward too. So not only will we have some successes on 
uh, from December on the tax side. Uh, well, we have some successes, as Dave said, um, on NDA and others. We'll have some energy successes as well um, that, that continue to be part of what uh, – what we see in uh, with Congress's action. Okay, I don't know what's going to be on. I actually do know what my quick take is on my radar. But this is, I, I got to just, there were some details in my show prep that I wanted to get in about the coronavirus because yesterday, yesterday was Ash Wednesday. And I was en route, and I'm not making an excuse because I am a, a failed Catholic. But, you know, as a Catholic, I think we're all failed. But uh, Pope Francis has urged Catholics to give up phones and trolling for Lent. Did you know that? Mm. We can't troll anymore, folks. What's according to the Pope. To Twitter? Hey, you know, who am I to judge, right? And then the other thing is my mother back in Delco just sent me the church bulletin from the parish I grew up with. You ready for this? Back in Delco at St. John's, they're not given the the blood of the blood the the wine <laughs> because because of coronavirus. Hmm. Oh wow. So wow. all politics is local. I guess so. But that's yeah. not what's on my radar. What's on your radar? Well wait. Wait, I mean, have you noticed any impacts in your life on coronavirus, Frank? No. In Annapolis? No, none. Not even none, at, not at my even, favorite? You know what? It impacts my ability to watch CNN and or Fox <laughs> News or anything. I'm being so careful right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> because the storylines have really gotten crazy. Here's what's so. on my radar. Here's a fast fact. If Crazier I can find than they it. were. From Bloomberg. Jackie Edwards, Australia, has the world's best performing stock market since 1900. Australia has the world's top performing equity market over the past 120 years, thanks to its ability to largely evade the global financial crisis. Wow. Stocks down under have achieved an <laughs> annualized real wow. local currency return of 6.8%. Since hey, 1900. Are, those are some, you know, those are some men at work. I have some Aussie friends, and you know, I'll give them a shout-out. So there you go. The Aussie stock market is doing is doing well. That does it for me. Thank you, Dave Brown. Did you have fun, Dave? Kevin, I always have fun on your show. I See, he's on the record. Dave Brown, he said he always has fun. <laughs> Frank Masana, what about you? Oh, it's as fun as a Rage Against the Machine concert. <laughs> wow. Sure. Which is there coming up in Washington. What about a Bruce Springsteen who's going to take us out? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. And you're listening not to Rage Against the Machine, to Bruce Springsteen and to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.